Turn this one off. Mark chapter 2. We're just going to read the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 2. And again, he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let, it, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified uh, God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Sometimes you read a portion, right, and you think, listen, let's just close in prayer, right? I mean, that's, right? Um, just a tremendous story. Many of us have read it over and over again many times. Um, certainly, I think nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Um, and uh, so... One of the things you'll see here in this portion is uh, it says that he entered Capernaum after some days. He's actually, he was there earlier back in chapter 1. And uh, I want you to understand that, that the Lord Jesus at this point right now, which um, we know that later in life was not necessarily the case, he is riding a wave of popularity. Okay? Uh, the Lord Jesus is um, extremely popular at this point. In fact, in chapter 1, um, he actually, um, there's so many people that are coming to see him uh, for him to perform miracles, to heal those who are sick and things like that, that he actually has to get away for, for a bit. Um, in Mark chapter 1, when they eventually find him, um, uh, I think it's uh, Simon says to him, hey, listen, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> you know, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I, and we're trying to hold off all these people. Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says something. He goes, listen. Let us go to the next town. So this is the reason why Jesus had to come back to Capernaum. He leaves. He has to leave. He goes, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Um, 
Jesus is riding such a wave of popularity that there are many who are coming to him, and Jesus, listen, his purpose was to preach the word. To preach the word. And, and these people, some of them did not, didn't want to hear the word. They wanted Jesus to perform miracles. They wanted Jesus to heal them. They, they wanted Jesus to do these things, these miraculous works. And so he actually said to his disciples, hey, listen, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go to these other surrounding towns for now so that I can do what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so I, I just thought about that for a moment is that now he's back into Capernaum. Um, is that for a lot of these people then, and I think it's true even today, right? That there, there are so many people who are more interested in signs, more interested in miraculous works, so interested in how they might feel or experience something like that, rather than just hearing the word. And that's the purpose of us coming together. That's the purpose of Jesus when he was here. He says, listen, I'm here to preach, right? Brothers and sisters, um, we've got to really be careful that uh, we get to a point where hearing the word of God is not enough for us, right? Um, if I put it this way, is that I think the people back then, and probably very true today, are looking for a miracle rather than the biblical. Too many people, they, all they're interested in is the miracle rather than the biblical, right? And you know this because you could talk to people today, right? And they'll share with you uh, about something that they're very passionate about, Right? Something that they're very opinionated on. You say, man, how do you, you know, why do you feel that way? You know, and, um, and they'll tell you whatever it is. And you say, well, listen, well, the Bible says this. Well, they don't care what the Bible says, <laughs> right? What they care about is how they feel about that, right? Um, and so there are too many people today that are definitely looking for the miracle rather than the biblical. And, and this is the case here. that they're, they're, He's riding such a wave of popularity that he has to actually get out of Capernaum for a while, for a few days do some more preaching, and now he's back again, and uh, as you see in verse 2, he preached the word to them. That was the purpose for Jesus coming here, was to preach the word, the word of God. And so we're going to see here in this story three points this morning. Uh, I want to notice here that this paralytic man, who is the, kind of the main character in the story, other than the Lord Jesus himself, right? we're going to see three things here. The first one I want you to notice is the man's condition, okay? the man's condition. Um, specifically, his condition of paralysis, okay? Uh, the man's condition, his paralysis. Um, we all know that um, this man is paralyzed, uh, which means that uh, he is not able to move his limbs. Um, we know this because we have four people who actually have to carry him to the house and then carry him up the roof and lower him down uh, in the roof. And then we even hear later on, Jesus tells him to take up his mat and to go his way. So this is a man who's paralyzed. Um, and uh, the interesting thing about uh, paralysis, right, is if you look at this symbolically, right, is, is paralysis is you're in a situation, right? Um, you're stuck in a condition that you cannot get yourself out of, right? I mean, someone who's paralyzed, right, he cannot take himself down to the pool and, and dip himself into the pool there. Uh, he cannot take himself and go to see a doctor or uh, some of that, you're, you're stuck, okay? And that, that day and age in which you live in there, you, you don't have any means to get anywhere. You are stuck in your condition, and there's no way that you can get yourself out of that, unless, of course, you've got four good friends like this who carry you around everywhere. And so I just think it's a, it's a beautiful picture, right, um, of a hopeless situation. This paralytic man, right, he is in a hopeless situation. 
He is stuck in a condition that he cannot get himself out of. Much like the world today, right? The Bible says that before we knew Christ, right, we were without God and without what? Without hope. We were in a hopeless situation. We were stuck in a condition that we could not get ourselves out of. We thank God and we praise God this morning that um, the Lord Jesus could get us out of that condition. Right? And Jesus provided a way for us to do that. But I want to even st- stretch our minds a little farther and think about, listen, you, you know, right? You have family members, you have co-workers, you have neighbors who are, are hopeless right now. And it's not just because of um, the fact that they don't know Christ, right? I mean, certainly um, there's not a more dire need than that than someone to be actually here and not have their sins forgiven. But we know, too, that many people live hopeless lives that, that there are so many other forms of paralysis, right? Uh, we have people who are, are mentally paralyzed, right? They're, in, they're, in, they're stuck in this mental situation that they, they can't get themselves out of. And the world will tell you, hey, listen, I'll prescribe this to you. I'll prescribe this to you. You can go talk to this person. But in reality, right, they're stuck in this condition. They can't get themselves out. Or even just circumstantial paralysis, right? People find themselves in circumstances. They don't even know how they got into these circumstances that they're in, but they're stuck, and they can't get themselves out of it. Addictions. So many people, right, in such hopeless situations today because they're addicted to something that they can't get themselves out of. How about relationally? It's strange how people keep putting themselves into bad relationships after bad relationships, knowing that prior relationships have hurt them, have cost them so much, and yet they find themselves still stuck <laughs> in that type of relational paralysis. Brothers and sisters, we, we live in a world where there are so many who are in hopeless situations. And we know that the reality of it is that all these things, right, are just kind of surfacy, right? The, the, the big thing is that, that they don't know Jesus Christ. And so they're in a hopeless situation. You see this paralytic man. I think he's a beautiful picture of that, right? His condition is this. He's paralyzed. <laughs> he's paralyzed. He is stuck in a condition that he cannot get himself out of. I think it is wise for us to, when we talk to people, when we meet people, to know, listen, they might, you might think, hey, listen, you know what? They have a nice car. You know what? They've got a pretty good position in the company here. You know what? It looks like they love their spouse and they've got a nice family. They don't know Christ. You need to understand that they are stuck. They are in a hopeless situation. And we kind of just brush it off and kind of think, oh, yeah, I know that they don't know Christ, but it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. We've got to recognize their, their condition. They're paralyzed. They, right now, they, they're stuck, and they know they're stuck, and they can't get themselves out of it. But you know how they can. And that's why it leads to the second thing here is not just the man's condition, but I want you to look at this man's companions. Now, with the man's condition, we notice his paralysis, right? Okay. With this man's companions, I want you to notice their profile. Okay. 
Look at these guys here. Four of them. Number one is this. They cared about his condition. How do we know that? <laughs> well, it says, one, they're carrying this guy everywhere. Right? Now, here's the reason I know that they cared about his condition. They knew where to take him. You see them bringing him to anywhere else? No, it says they, they're, they're bringing him to Jesus. They had heard. They had heard about this one Jesus. They had heard about what he had done. Right? And they say, listen, they cared about their friend. And they said, listen, because we care about this condition that you're in, this condition that you're stuck in, that you can't get yourself out, we're going to bring you to the one that can get you out of it. Clearly, they cared about this man. The people in your life that you know are stuck in the condition that they're in, do you care about them? Because you know where to bring them. You know the only person that can get them out of the condition that they're in. But do you care? These four, his companions, one of the things I love about their profile is that they cared about this man's condition and they knew where to take him. They were bringing them to Jesus. And listen, the second thing is this. Not only did they, they care about his condition, but they were committed to their cause. So you might say to yourself, yeah, listen, John, I care about the lost. And I believe you. Because okay? I know what I'm like this too, is I feel like I care about the lost. But when it comes to being committed to that cause, I slack there, man. I really truly believe I, I care about the lost. But when it comes to just being committed to bringing them to Jesus, how often I fail. But look at these guys' example here, right? They, they were going to fight for him until they got him to who could change him. There are three reasons here, right? Three things I feel that show that he, they were committed to the cause here. One, they did not deter from their objective. Okay, they're approaching the house here. and It says there's so many people in the house. They're just the house is not crowded. There's people outside the house. There are people outside in the doorway listening into what Jesus is talking. I heard someone speak once that these men had no fear of crowds. And I give so much respect to those people who do open-air evangelism. Where they can stand there in the crowds of people and be able to proclaim God's judgment. That you are a sinner. That you need salvation. These guys here, they weren't afraid of the crowds. They didn't, they didn't sit there and say, wow, look at this house. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Let's see if we can bring him again another time. Or maybe we can bring him to someone else where the house is not so crowded. No, no, they wouldn't deter from their, from their objective. In fact, they, they, they see the house and they think to themselves, listen, because remember, they're going to fight, right, until they get him to who can change him. So they say, okay, listen, we can't get inside. Let's go on the roof. Like, I wonder who said that amongst the four guys. Like, guys, I got an idea. Let's go up in the roof, open the roof, and lay him down. The other guys, I wonder if any of them were like, are you crazy? Or if all four of them were like, let's do it. Let's do it. But clearly, these guys were not afraid of heights. Right? I mean, we care about the loss, right? But probably one of the things that, that shows that we're not committed to the cause, the one thing that deters us from our objective is, right, is we're afraid. 
I know I am. Every time I have an opportunity, a clear opportunity to share Christ, sometimes the reason I don't all the way is because I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid of how they might respond. I'm afraid I, I might not say the right thing. These guys would not deter from their objective. They were not afraid of the crowds. They were not afraid of the height. They were going to fight to get this man, their friend, to who could change him. But not only do we see that they are committed because they would not deter, but we see that they are committed because they did not delay. Man, that's one of the, probably the worst lies that Satan tells us all the time, is you've got time. Right? You've got time. In fact, I, I shared once before here, right, that um, one of the greatest uh, lies that Satan will tell those people who are not saved, right, is to wait. You've got time. Wait. Where the Bible says what? Behold, now, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. But also in our, in our Christian lives, right, Satan always likes to tell you, hey, listen, now, now. <laughs> we need to learn sometimes, hey, listen, i got to wait. Let patience have its perfect work in me, right? It's such a contrast. But when it comes to those who are in a condition that they can't get themselves out of, they can't afford to wait. And these men knew that. These men didn't say, hey, listen, there, there's this huge crowd. Let's come back tomorrow. You know, maybe let's come back later tonight. Maybe it'll die down a little bit. They would not delay in bringing their man to Christ. I wonder how often we've missed out on the blessings that God intended for us because we waited till tomorrow. God gave us an opportunity right there, and we just put it off for fear or whatever it was, and we missed out on a blessing because we waited until tomorrow. And listen, I don't know about you, but it's, it's not just with sharing the gospel, right? It's not just with bringing people to Christ, right? It, it, it's, it's my <laughs> um, my life even, right? The, it, my nature is, and I'm sure it's true of many people, is that we tend to put off things till later, right? We procrastinate um, things that need to be done today are often put off till tomorrow. But not for these guys. They were committed to the cause because they would not deter uh, from their objective and they would not delay. They wouldn't wait till tomorrow. They were going to do it now. And the other thing I think that's pretty amazing here about these guys too is that there was no desire for them to be recognized. You know we don't know these guys' names. In Scripture, they're not recorded. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming maybe we'll see these guys one day in glory. I don't know. Um, I don't know if these men ever trusted Christ. They had heard about Christ. They knew that they had to bring their friend to Christ. Maybe after what they saw that day, maybe they gave their lives to Christ. But in this moment, at least, they had no desire to be heroes, no desire to be recognized. They just knew that their friend was in a condition he couldn't get himself out of, and they knew where to bring him, and they were committed to that cause. And they were going to bring their friend to him no matter what the cost was. They were going to fight for him. I know, um, again, in my own life, right, there's some pride in leading someone to Christ, right? I don't know if anyone's ever led someone to Christ, but there's some pride involved with that. You're like, yeah, you know, I shared the gospel with him or her. And she prayed with me and they got saved, you know. I was just being obedient to the Lord. 
grateful that God used me. But listen, in the hearts, we know our hearts, man, is that there's, let's chalk another one up, man. I, got, I led another person to Christ. Right? And then it becomes almost this competition thing where like, well, how, he's led a lot of people because he must be real spiritual. Man, I haven't led anyone to Christ. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not as spiritual. I remember, um, and I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again, is uh, when I went to Messiah College, uh, the two guys that I roomed next to, their names were John and Chad. Um, and uh, clearly, within the first few weeks of school, I, I had learned that they were not recruited or not going to Messiah because of their faith in the Lord Jesus, but they were there because they were recruited for basketball. And uh, they were called Double Trouble. They were really good basketball players. And um, as we, you know, as uh, dorm neighbors there in, in school, many times we had great conversations about the Lord, uh, and I would share Christ with them. They would always say, hey, John, listen, you know we're down with the G-O-D. I'm like, well, it's, that's not quite good enough, guys. Uh, and so as often as I tried to share the gospel with them, they were reluctant uh, to receive Christ as their Savior. Um, and for two years, we went to school together. We were friends. And uh, we used to always pray and hope that these guys would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it was the, the sophomore, sorry, the summer after my sophomore year um, that they called me over the summer. And we normally wouldn't talk over the summer. We would just see each other during school. But... One of them called me, and uh, I said, hey, what's up, Chad? What's going on? And he goes, I got saved. And I said, what are you talking about? And sure enough, these guys had gone to a funeral that summer. And in the funeral, um, the man shared the gospel, and they both accepted Christ that day. And I thought, you know what my first thought was? Why didn't you do it with me? Right? I knew all those times I was ready to share Christ. Why couldn't it be with me? And to this day, I know why it wasn't me, because of my pride, right? Because of my pride. I would have just chalked another one on the, you know, on the thing there. So we got to be careful that we don't have any desire to be recognized, any desire to be some kind of hero. Okay? We all know this. We've heard this before. Listen, we're not in sales. We are in presentations. Okay? We're not in the business of sales. Okay? That's God and God alone. Right? It's God who does that. And for these men here, I'm just so thankful for these companions of his, their profile, right? Is that they cared about his condition, right? Because they knew where to take him, and they were committed to the cause, right? They wouldn't deter from their objective, no matter how many people were there, no matter how high they had to climb up on the roof, right? They were... Um, convinced to do it then and there, right? They would not delay. They didn't put it off till the next day. And they had no desire to be recognized. We ourselves have to be careful, right, that as we see these people in a condition, a hopeless condition, right, that we do that because we care about their condition, not because we care about the fact that we could lead them to Christ. The third thing I want to point out is we see the man's condition, right, was his paralysis, we saw the man's companions, right, their profile. And then I want you to notice the man's Christ. Okay. I'm speaking of the Lord Jesus, right? He was this man's Christ. He was the Messiah, right? Jesus had come for that man. And I want you to notice Jesus Christ. I want you to notice his perspective. His perspective in all this. And remember, Jesus is here, right? Jesus is in the house, right? These four men are bringing to him. They climb up. 
They open up the roof, they lower him down, and here's Jesus, and notice his perspective, right? In verse 5, it says, when Jesus heard their faith, no, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the faith of these four men, he then said to the paralytic man, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus didn't just hear them talk about their faith, right? I mean, they could have left his friend outside maybe, worked their way in and said, hey, listen, Jesus, we have a friend out here. He's paralyzed. We were wondering if you get a chance, maybe you can come heal him. No, Jesus didn't hear them talk about their faith, right? He saw it in action. He witnessed it. He saw a roof open up over his head, and these guys lower someone down into the room. Jesus is like, wow. That's some faith right there. It's faith you could see, right? Man, I'm tired of faith that all we do is we talk about it. I'm tired of hearing about faith. Let's see it. right? Let, let's see faith in action. You see, just as Jesus, right, it says he saw their faith. Do you think Jesus sees our faith today? I'm sure, I'm sure he does. Jesus is watching all the time. And does he just hear us talk about our faith, or does he see us acting in our faith? Here, he's, he saw their faith, right? And he saw firsthand their faith at work. I shared this before. I think I shared maybe last year or the summer before a definition of faith, and I'll uh, reiterate it for you because I like it. It says, uh, faith is acting like God is telling the truth, right? Uh, it's acting like it's so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Right? That's helped me with my faith, right? Listen, that's all faith is, is I'm acting like God's telling the truth. But it's got to be an action, right? I, I've got to act like it's so. Right? Even when it's not so. Right? right now, I think a lot of us would say the circumstances that surround us, man, they're not what we would have chosen for ourselves. But we continue to act by faith, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, because what? Because God said so. That's faith. It's acting like God is telling the truth. You notice here that um, I mentioned already at the, at the, the Lord's Supper, I'm just fascinated by Jesus' response. He sees their faith, and he doesn't say, hey, listen, you guys, you know, uh, your faith um, has made you well. Or um, doesn't even say to the paralytic, hey, listen, their faith, I see their faith, and so you are, you are well now. Take up your mat. He says, son... Your sins are forgiven. Again, I, I share this this morning, but I, here, these, these guys, they, they saw his condition, right? His circumstances were not good. The, the, the guy is, in a, is stuck, right? He's paralyzed. And here they bring it to him. I, again, I wonder what they thought. Perhaps they were still up on the roof looking down, right? And they see Jesus there, and he looks at them, and he says, listen, he looks at their friend, he goes, your sins are forgiven. I wonder, I don't know, I wonder if they said, well, that's not what we brought him for. 
Or maybe in that moment when he says, son, your sons are forgiven, maybe they thought, oh, you know what? This whole time, we were bringing him to Jesus because we thought that he needed to be healed of his paralysis. And then they realized, wait a minute, there's something bigger here. Or maybe they never did. Maybe it wasn't until later on in Jesus' discourse that they realized, but whatever it is, right, he did not touch this man's circumstances, did he? The man is still paralyzed. How about you're the man in the mat? You're laying there, and Jesus says, and, and he grows down, and Jesus, he hears the man say, maybe he hears Jesus say, look at these guys' faith, right? And he's thinking, oh, man, here it comes. Here it comes. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And he tries to move his leg. Still can't move. <laughs> I don't know. But in that moment there, right, he had not touched that man's circumstances. The man is still paralyzed. But his spiritual condition changed, didn't it? His spiritual condition now is made right. And that's what you want. Listen, brothers and sisters, lately when it comes to um, a pandemic, when it comes to social injustice, when it comes to the election, all I hear Christians talk about is, listen, how can we make the circumstances better? Who cares? Who cares? The circumstances are not going to get better, most likely. They're going to get worse. They might need to. But we're so concerned with making our lives so comfortable and agreeable and that all we care about is the circumstances. God changed the circumstances. But it's the condition of us spiritually that's got to change. I don't know about you. Have you seen even more today than ever before people who are so hopeless? You hear it come out of their mouths. They're terrified of a virus. They're afraid of dying because they have no hope. And the sad thing is I see a lot of times with Christians, I see them just as paralyzed, just as fearful. I'm not saying you can't be concerned and cautious. That's fine. Okay? But why are we so afraid of dying? To live is Christ. To die is what? Yeah, I don't understand that. Do we believe that or not? Praise God, even though the circumstances around us, they're not changing, our spiritual condition is made right. Praise God, your sins are forgiven this morning. But listen, there are those out there whose sins are not forgiven. There are those out there right now who are spiritually paralyzed. They're stuck in a condition they can't get themselves out of. Do you care about their condition? Are you committed to bringing them to the one person who can make their condition right? Or are you just more concerned with making the circumstances in your life better? You see, you want to be, you, you want the spiritual to be right so that God is free to work with the circumstances in your life in accordance to his will. But he's not going to work with those circumstances in your life until spiritually you're good. That's how God works. We see it right here in this man's life, right? Hey, listen, son, your sins are forgiven. He hears them mumbling with themselves. Okay, listen, guys, what's easier, to tell this guy that he can walk again or to forgive his sins? Right? They knew it. Only God could forgive sins. It's okay to show you that I have the power to forgive sins. Hey, buddy, take your mat and let's go. They never seen anything like that before. 
But, but God cannot work in that man's circumstances until his condition is made right. Right? Jesus is trying to show the priority here. Man, how many times do you have, I, I, I think I've shown this before too, I, I had a, um, a good friend of mine, unfortunately, he said, hey, listen, I, I had a, um, a person call me who I haven't talked to in years. He called me and said, hey, listen, my life's a mess. Right? He was talking about the circumstances in life. This is years ago. Right? They just were not good. Right? And my friends tell me this. And he's like, so you know what I told him? I'm like, what? What did you tell him? He goes, I told him, man, you should come to church. I said, what? I'm like, here's a man who just said his circumstances. Are, listen, guys, come into church. Right? That might fix some of your circumstances, but your spiritual condition is still not right. There was an opportunity, in my opinion, for this person to say, hey, listen, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Okay? You're lost. You're spiritually paralyzed. You're in a condition. You're stuck that you can't have. You're hopeless. That's what's going on. Don't worry about the other stuff in your life right now. God's using that to get you to the point where you need him. But so often we as Christians, right, whether it's say come to church, I don't know what it is. You know, we, we, we give them this like, um, I don't know, like help that is just all it's going to do is temporarily help their circumstances. It might even help their circumstances. I don't know. It doesn't do anything for their spiritual condition. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, and by the way, listen, you can walk too if you want. Go ahead. That's, that's secondary. That's not even important. And that just leads to just a practical thing I want to say is that, at least for us as the church, right, I think it applies to what we're talking about here is, you know what this man does, right? When Jesus says, hey, listen, arise, take up your bed and go to your house, what does he do? Does he stand there? Does he stay on his mat? No. What does it say? He left. Right? I think it's amazing, right? Um, you know, you have other, uh, other stories where, you know, people wanted to stay with Jesus. I think of the demon-possessed man, and he wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, listen, you've got to go tell your story. Right? Or other people who, you know, stay with Jesus. It says here that he went out in the presence of them all. He left. And so, listen, I, I think it's a beautiful picture, too, of us, is that upon receiving Christ's word, right, man needs to walk. How's your walk? Like, I think some of this concern that, that I see, and even in my own life, is that sometimes we need to figure out, where, where am I at spiritually? Where's my walk right now? Because upon hearing Christ's word, now this morning, you're hearing Christ's word. I'm hearing Christ's word, right? The Bible says, if you today will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I think that means a lot of times, listen, we hear, and right now we think, man, amen. God, I hear you speaking to me. But then as soon as we get out in that car, nothing happens. We stop walking. We sit down. We get comfortable again. Listen, upon hearing the word of God, man needs to walk. You got to go do something. You got to move forward. Okay? I don't know what that is for you right now. Maybe you need to go home and, and, and knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, listen, I just want to tell you about something I heard today. Maybe you need to call a family member who you've been praying for and sharing with and call them and say, listen, I want you to know that I love you, okay, and that Jesus died for you. I don't know what it is. But you all know, we all know, we have people in our lives who they're stuck. They're stuck. They're hopeless. And, you know, I think the enemy has done a really good job with all these things that we mentioned already of distracting us from what we should be doing. Don't, don't worry about 
this pandemic. Don't worry about the, the social injustice. Don't worry about the election. Who cares about that stuff? Who cares? We have a world full of people who are going to hell. They're stuck. They're hopeless. Can we be like these four guys, right? Well, we listen, we know where to bring these people, and we're going to fight for them. We're going to fight for them. Listen, hey, if you can say in your heart, hey, listen, I fought for that person, then great. That's between them and the Lord. But then we fight for them. Now listen, too, just, I know it's Thanksgiving this week, so I thought about this, too, and just as far as a practical thing, I'll close with this, is um, that man, he, he went out from their presence. I, I don't know how close he was with the four guys up on the roof right now. I don't know if they're friends. When he went out from there, I don't know if they, they got together later. But can you imagine how grateful this paralytic man was for his four friends? Right? Where would he be right now if it wasn't for those four companions? He'd be still paralyzed, right, having never met Jesus. Listen, brothers and sisters, this is a time of year where we're thankful, right? When's the last time you thanked the person or people who were responsible for bringing you to Christ? I called my dad this week. I said, hey, Dad, I just want to thank you for bringing me to Christ. For some of us, it was our mom or our dad. For some of us, it was someone else. I don't know, but I think it's a great opportunity this week to say, thank you for fighting for me. And listen, we know some people, right? We don't even know where they're at today, right? In, in our journeys, I've heard people talk about how they got saved. We don't, that person that said something or shared something with us, we don't know where they are today. But man, you can thank God for them, right? We thank God for those people who were committed to the cause. They were the ones that brought us to Christ. And Christ helped us with our spiritual condition. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to just thank you again for saving us. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Lord Jesus, thank you for making us your ambassadors. Thank you for giving us opportunities each and every day to share um, your love with a world that is so hopeless right now. Um, there's just so much uncertainty going on in this world right now, so much hate that's going on, um, so much fear. We see, we see so many who are paralyzed. They're in a hopeless condition. And there's so much that the world offers to them that, uh, that they think will help them uh, with the condition that they're in. But we know it won't. We, we actually know who can help them. So we pray, Lord, that we would care about the condition of those in our lives. Lord God, that um, upon receiving your word, we may be those who walk by faith now. That we would... Uh, and, and, and caring for their condition, be ones who are committed to the cause and that we would not deter from that, whatever it may be, whether it's fear, uh, that we would not delay, that we would not put things off that you want us to do right now, today. Lord God, we certainly do not have any desire to be recognized. We just want to do this so that those that we know, perhaps we may even encounter those we don't know, Lord, that they might be saved, that they might be able to experience the blessings that we experience. Um, for truly it is an amazing thing to have sins forgiven. 
to, to know that when I leave this world, I enjoy the presence of my Savior, I enjoy all eternity with you, with no more death, no more crying, no more sickness. <laughs> what a hope we have. And we have an answer for that hope that we can share with the world today. Lord Jesus, we need your help. Embolden us, right? Give us courage this day, um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.